Well, I'm so glad you are joining us again online. And if you are brand new to The Bridge, let me say welcome. I'm so glad that you're with us. My name is Kenny Dean. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we are kicking off a brand new series that I am pumped about. And it's called The Greatest of All Time 23. Um, you know, I'm a huge Jordan fan. Uh, I remember in middle school, high school, watching him, mesmerized by him. And it was also back in the day when you had to be in front of the TV to see him um, because we did not have any kind of recording device whatsoever. So I watched him as much as I possibly could. Now, you may be thinking, he's not the greatest of all time. Listen, you can think that and be wrong because you are. He is the greatest of all time. I wrote down three reasons why I believe Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Number three, he revolutionized the game. I'm just telling you, everybody wanted his shoes. Everybody wanted his stuff. No one had ever seen a dunk like this before. And if they had, they didn't do it the way he did it. He just revolutionized everything about the game. All eyes were on him. The second reason why I think Michael Jordan is the best, he dominated everyone. I mean, the famous shrug, it, it, it not only goes for he was having a game where he says the rim looked to be about this big. He could not miss in this game. But I love the look because it's like, who can defend me? Answer, no one. He is the greatest of all time because he could defeat anyone at any time. The number one reason that I wrote down, he is the GOAT. His record proves it. Never lost in an NBA title championship series. Of course, the rings to prove it. He's got trophies to prove it. And he did it on both ends of the court. Defense, offense, record after record after record after record. Every sport has a GOAT, the greatest of all time. I believe Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. And I love it. I love the series, The Last Dance, that is out. My family and I, as soon as it comes out, we are watching the episodes back to back. We can't get enough of it. He is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. This series is about arguably the greatest passage of all time, Psalm 23. Especially in the Old Testament, if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably at least heard about Psalm 23. Maybe you went to VBS or church Bible school growing up in the summer to where you remember at least hearing Psalm 23. Many of you may have even memorized Psalm 23. Now, this is a great challenge. I want to encourage every single person watching to memorize Psalm 23. You can do this as a family. You can do this as an individual. And so I want to encourage you, my family, we are going to be challenged each other to memorize Psalm 23. And here's the thing about Psalm 23 is that it is talking about sheep. It's talking about shepherds. And here's the thing that you may or may not know. All throughout the Bible, we are referred to as sheep. And that's not a compliment. I'll tell you why it's not a compliment. Here's the very first reason why it's not a compliment. Sheep are dumb. Don't you love this, by the way? This is his corona haircut right here, like some of you actually look right now. So go get it cut. But sheep are actually dumb. This is why you never see them in a circus. 
You're never going to find a sheep walking a tightrope. You're never going to see him doing the trapeze. They are actually not good for much at all because they're so dumb. Not only are they dumb, they're also stubborn. A sheep will do what a sheep wants to do. You can try to make it do something, but there are no guarantees whatsoever. Not only are sheep dumb, not only are sheep stubborn, because when it comes to a stubborn sheep, by the way, you can actually show them where to drink water, and water can be two or three feet in front of them, and they will refuse to drink the water if they don't want to drink it. Even if they're drinking contaminated water that other animals have defecated in, they will continue drinking the water until they die. This is how dumb and stubborn they are. And you would actually think that at some point, the sheep drinking contaminated water would come to his senses of just saying to himself, Bob, does this taste crazy to you? I mean, at some point you would think it, but they don't because they're dumb. They're stubborn. And this is the very last thing that I wrote down about a sheep. Maybe you didn't know. They tend to get into trouble a lot. And the reason is simple. There's no way to protect themselves. They are constantly living a stressed out life. So they try to make decisions for themselves. They're running here, running there. They're trying to hang with the crowd, but every now and then they'll kind of go off and do their own thing because they have no claws to defend themselves. They have no venom. They have no fangs. They really are at the mercy of every predator imaginable to sheep. And so in doing so, a sheep being dumb, being stubborn, and always getting in trouble makes for a very stressed out life, which I think is pretty descriptive of us. No, we don't want to be called sheep. It's not a compliment. Uh, This is why you don't see people going into tattoo parlors and going, hey, I want a sheep. Put a sheep right here. They're like, you don't want a lion or like the, you know, like a, 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 an eagle or something? No, 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 no. Give me a sheep. I want to show people how helpless I am. And it just doesn't happen. But over and over in the Bible, it's what we're referred to as sheep. And again, I think there are a lot of similarities. I think we as individuals tend to live stressed out lives. So we find ourselves trying to control environments, trying to make decisions that we think will take our stress away, trying to find moments of pleasure, moments of ease in life, and yet we go back to the same things of contamination that's killing us and destroying us. And so we wander around in life thinking, wondering, wanting, who's going to take care of us? Who's going to provide comfort to my soul? Who's going to give me safety in this crazy, crazy, insane life that we live? That's why I love Psalm 23, because it points to the answer for all of us. And the answer is simply this for all of us. Sheep need a shepherd. You find this motif all throughout the Old Testament as well. It refers to God being a shepherd that we'll refer to in just a moment. You have Israel's kings and leaders, what kind of shepherds they should have been to the people. Some were, some weren't. And then you find prophecies about the Messiah being a good shepherd. And in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the good shepherd. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But this Psalm, Psalm 23, the goat, the greatest of all time, was actually written as a Psalm by David. And I love this, David, notorious as the greatest king of Israel that they've ever seen. 
And you have David growing up as a shepherd boy. The Psalm 23 was actually written by David later on in his life. Some to believe during times of distress. And he's thinking back as a boy to the days of being a shepherd. And he takes out his pen and he starts writing about what it was like to be a shepherd. And he's, he's extrapolating that over to God being his own shepherd. So when we think about Psalm 23, think about a young boy being a shepherd and he's got his own sheep, he's got his staff and he's taking, like this is David thinking back to these moments as a young boy, remembering what it was like and then thinking, whoa, 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 God, you're actually like that for me. Those sheep I had to take care of, those sheep I had to run after, you are doing the same thing for me. So this is how David begins Psalm 23. Here's what he said. The Lord is my shepherd. I love this. He begins by saying the Lord. So many descriptions of God, of Yahweh, of Jehovah in the Old Testament. He's an eternal God. He's a self-sustaining, self-sufficient God. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need energy. He doesn't need anything to eat, anything to drink. He is good on his own. And he is a shepherd. Now, stop for just a moment. I don't know what you think about when you think about being a shepherd, the landscape that is. In my mind, before I went to Israel, this is what I thought it would be like to be a shepherd. It's peaceful. The, the, the scenery is amazing. You've got rolling green hills. You've got your sheep out there just grazing in the pasture. Like we would pay for a vacation to a place like this. So I'm thinking, how hard is it to be a shepherd? I mean, this, this ranks up there with being a lifeguard. If you can spin a whistle around your fingers, you can be a lifeguard. Like how difficult is this? It's kind of a lazy profession in my own mind. And then I went to Israel. This is not... The scenery, the landscape in Judea at all. This is what it actually looks like. It's barren. It's brown. It's, it's, it's dry. It's dusty. You can actually see the shepherd here, the shepherd boy here with his sheep right here. You can see the trails that the sheep walk over and over looking for little patches of grass to eat. This is what it was like for David to be a shepherd in Judea. So when he says the Lord is my shepherd, he's thinking back to this, not it being easy at all whatsoever, but that it's actually difficult. That's why I love this passage in Jeremiah who talks about the, God's heart and what a good shepherd needs to have. And here's what it says. God is speaking. I will give you shepherds after my own heart. What kind of heart does God have as a shepherd? This is it. My heart, who will take care of you with two things, knowledge and skill. See, God knows if you're going to be a good shepherd like he is, you need knowledge and you need skill. Why? Because of the terrain. Again, remember, sheep can die of almost anything and everything. And in this scenery, in this environment, here's what you actually find, the harsh environments of the day. Again, it's not like what you might think of. It's environments that are 
very treacherous and harsh. As a matter of fact, you have canyons all throughout Judea. A sheep could wander off the side of a canyon and it would be really bad for them. Sorry, I had to work it in somehow, Chris. I'm so sorry. I had to get it in there. But this is the environment. Not only do you have canyons, but you also have drought. If you're going to be a good shepherd, you better know the weather conditions that come and go. As a matter of fact, flash floods would often happen in Judea. So you better know how to learn the weather with skill and knowledge if you're going to be a good shepherd. Also, this, uh, this was very true of their day. You have predators. Now, a couple of these are not existent anymore in Judea, but at the time Psalm 23 was written, all of these were actually present. So you have all kinds of predators that you're looking out for if you're a good shepherd. And then on top of that, you also have, which can kill any type of sheep, just plants. This is just one plant. And so you have to know where to take your sheep of what they can eat, what they can't eat. And then you have insects as well, all types of insects of the day in Judea. As a matter of fact, we'll learn in a couple of weeks that even a gnat can kill a sheep. And you go, how in the world can a gnat kill a sheep? Well, I told you they're pretty dumb, they're pretty stubborn, and they make really dumb decisions. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But if you're going to be a good shepherd, this is what you need. Now, when you live in this type of environment, you have two options. One option is you try to control the environment to find life. And you wander to and fro and you're trying your hardest to experience life in an environment that has no life or little life to be found. And I told you, it's so, it's so familiar to us as people, as sheep, and that what we desire in our life is to find life. So we will go looking for life in different places. And in doing so, we are killing our soul over and over and over and over and over. And it's the option that most people settle for. Trying to find a little bit of life in many times in a world that offers no life whatsoever. The other option as a sheep is to find a shepherd, but not just any shepherd, but to find what I call a savvy shepherd. And this is what David is telling us, Psalm 23, God is a savvy shepherd. He knows the conditions you live in. He knows how to guide you. He knows how to protect you when you need protecting. He knows how to pull you away from danger. He knows how to protect you from danger. And this is the rest of Psalm 23. When David says in verse one, it's his thesis, the umbrella for the rest of the psalm, and that's this. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's not a shepherd. He's not the shepherd. This almighty leader, host of armies, he's the God of the universe, but he's personal. He knows me. He knows my name and he knows how to guide me. Why? He's a savvy shepherd. The rest of Psalm 1 says this, verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, so I will not be in need. David has cast his lot on the Lord being his shepherd. And he goes, with this kind of shepherd who knows how to lead, guide, and protect me, I don't need anything when I have him. I have learned as a shepherd boy growing up as a shepherd, God is the one 
who would take care of me as a good shepherd. The rest of the psalm explains how God is a savvy shepherd. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. Why is that, David? Well, let me explain. Next verse. Verse two, because he makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, let's stop for just a moment. Remember what I said, sheep are stubborn. You can't make them do anything. So when you actually look at it and read it in context, here's what it actually means in context. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It actually means this. The next verse, it says this. He settles me down in green pastures. Not that he makes me. The heart behind a savvy shepherd, he creates an environment for my anxiety to settle down and trust him. Now, remember the conditions. Remember the conditions of being a shepherd and a sheep. Remember how harsh the conditions are um, before a green pasture. It's just harsh. It's rugged. Again, you can see the miles that they've gone through. And this is a, uh, one of the, 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 the sheep herds that a shepherd has. You can see the terrain. However, a savvy shepherd knows where to go to find what the sheep are really needing in their life, a green pasture. Now, I wanna tell you something. I love this picture and there's so many just like it because in one picture, you have dry, barren, hard. At the same time, you have lush, food, enough. And isn't this the picture of life for us? That there are times in life where it's hard, it's dry, it's barren. And then there are times in life where we have enough and we have plenty and we're full. This is the reality of life. And if we're not careful as sheep, here's what we might actually think. When we get to a green pasture, things are good. I don't need my shepherd anymore. Of course, the other we can think as well, that when it's hard, barren and dry, Where is my shepherd? He doesn't care for me. He doesn't love me anymore. But the realities of this passage, he knows how to settle me in a green pasture in the midst of hard times. The reality is this. Our security is in the shepherd, not the landscape. Our security is in a shepherd, whether it's dry times, whether it's plentiful times, he knows how to settle me and provide for me what I need. And then he also does something else. Verse two, it says this, he leads me, he doesn't push me, he leads me beside still waters. Now again, sheep are so skittish, their anxiety always through the roof. So a sheep would never drink out of a running river they'd be too scared. It has to be still waters or they won't even drink. Now, when you read it in Hebrew, you're going to love this. When you read chapter 23, verse two in the Hebrew language, here's what it literally says. It says this, he leads me beside waters of rest. It's like this good shepherd knows You can live, you can be busy, you can go, you can go, you can go, you can go. But I know you as a sheep and I know how you live and I know what drives your anxiety. 
And I know there are times you need to rest. So let me lead you to these spaces where you can find rest so your soul doesn't keep taking a beating. You know, what's interesting is this. A shepherd will actually travel five square miles a day so that the sheep can find water. He knows they can go a little bit without food, but they can't go every day without water. So traveling five square miles a day with sheep so they can at least have something to drink, he knows this is vital to their rest and their well-being. Let me ask you something. Do you have a space, you and God, you and the shepherd, before the craziness of the day, before the busyness just drives you crazy, do you have a space carved out to where it's you and him so that you can allow him to breathe rest into your soul, to speak to you, to say, I'm gonna lead you today. It's gonna be a crazy day. So many predators around you today, but I'm gonna lead you to places of rest for you. Here's why this is important. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of it or not. But did you know that if a sheep falls on its back, it can't get up? It's true. Have you ever seen this? And if you don't believe me, look it up on YouTube. It's actually quite funny. Not being mean, it's just funny. That a sheep falling on its back can't get up. In this position, the sheep is good as gone. Predators, easy. It can actually stop breathing. In this position, the sheep loses its life, loses its soul. This is why in verse three, David says these words. He, the good shepherd, restores my soul. Because isn't that what life does to you? It's what life does to me sometimes. The pressures of life, the stresses of life, knocks me on my back. And again, it's like my soul needs to breathe, but I don't know how. A good shepherd, a good shepherd, a savvy shepherd sees it, picks us up and knows how to put us back on our feet. Why? Because he loves you and he's a good shepherd. In the New Testament, Jesus is described as the good shepherd. And I love this verse. It's one that I want to end with today as we start 23. Jesus said this to a group of people, come to me, not to a religion, not to a church building, though I'm really ready to be in a church building with you. Come to me, who? All of you who are worn out and beat down and I will give you rest. And let me teach you because I'm a good shepherd because I'm humble and gentle at heart. Now watch this, watch this. And you will find rest for your souls. A good shepherd knows how to lead. A good shepherd knows how to create an environment where you can breathe and rest. And that's why David said, my lot's with him. The Lord is my shepherd. And with him, I need absolutely nothing. Maybe that's where you are today. I want to lead you. If you have never made him your shepherd, the Lord is not a shepherd, but my shepherd, I want you to do that today. Would you pray with me if that's you? Just say these words.
Dear Father, I need you. I want you to be my leader, to be my shepherd. I feel like I've been wandering around. You know the dumb decisions I've made in life. And I've been stubborn towards you. And for that, I say I'm sorry. I want you to be my guide. I want you to take me and lead me through this life. And I will follow you. I want rest from you for my soul. So Jesus, I come to you and I receive you into my life. Thank you for bringing my soul, my spirit back to life through your spirit. I surrender my life to you. I confess my sins to you and I trust you with my present and I look forward to my future with you. Thank you for giving me new life today. In your name I pray, amen.